Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? Wonderful to be with everyone in the new venue. This is total upgrade, IS 35.09. Phenomenal. I think it's such a beautiful uh, privilege that you guys get to be in such a great space where families get to join together and you've got an amazing coffee shop. I think it rivals our Rhonda Bosch uh, PM coffee shop in a serious manner. So um, my name's Roger, as um, uh, other Rogers told you. I'm one of the pastors at um, the Rhonda Bosch congregation. Full-time in the business world, um, six days a week, and a night shift is as a dad of my little son, Elijah, and I'm married to a beautiful lady named Catherine, and uh, pastoring is my, my part-time gig on uh, every other Sunday. So it's, it's wonderful to be with you today. If you're a first-time visitor, big welcome to you as well. Uh, just to catch you up where we are, uh, we're in a, the end of a five-week mini-series called The Good News at Last. And um, we've looked at a whole lot of um, aspects of Jesus. We've shone the spotlight on who he is. In the first week, we would have looked at John the Baptist anticipating Jesus' arrival. Uh, and in the second week, we looked at Jesus actually arriving and the heavens splitting open and God declaring that this was his son. And then we moved on to Jesus calling his disciples, calling them to believe and repent. And then we went on to see how Jesus was the one that was powerful, the one that could drive out demons, the one that could uh, bring healing to the sick. And in this week, we're going to look at a final aspect of who he is, uh, and not the, the last of it, but a final aspect for the series, and that is Jesus, the compassionate one. Jesus, the compassionate one. Uh, when I think around compassion, I realize that I'm not naturally the most compassionate person. Uh, I don't have high empathy levels. Um, I'm, I'm fair, yes. I'm reasonable, called to justice, yes. Um, but I'm definitely known to hold a bit of a grudge if someone uh, side shanks me in a business deal. I'm definitely known to have a bit of road rage if someone cuts me off, and definitely known with my wife to um, stop listening when I should actually be a bit more attentive to what she's saying. And there's a reality that, that my, my low view and compassion in my own life is somehow reflected in my view of God. Um, when I think of God, I naturally genuinely think of holy God or mighty God, uh, even as loving Father. But I wouldn't say compassionate God. That isn't one of the first things that strikes my heart. Uh, I don't know what it's like for you. Maybe you can relate. Um, do you find that perhaps in your mind when um, you think about compassion, that you would describe yourself as a compassionate person? Um, would you say that you're a gentle person? Is that me... Um, doing a sneeze out. Don't worry, I don't have corona. Thanks, Raj. Um, and so when, I, when, when we look at your lives, you might be thinking the thought is, are you a compassionate person? I'm not talking about compassion out of a sense of guilt or compassion out of a sense of um, you feeling bad and so you need to also feel compassion for other people. I'm talking about a compassion, which is a real enduring love for other people, a, a, a putting in your heart for someone else that might possibly be a stranger. Uh, what is your view on God? You know, if you had to describe um, God, and imagine a person came out from the Amazon jungle that had never met Jesus, and they said, tell me about Jesus. What is he like? What would be the words that you'd use? I mean, literally, I'm asking you, you know, one or two words. What are one or two of the words that you would use inside of your head to describe him? Just actually cognitively think about it. I know, again, that, that for a lot of us, the compassionate one wouldn't be up there. The compassionate one wouldn't be up there. So what's at stake? You know, it's like, fine, cool. We, we wouldn't know Jesus, the compassionate one. But what does it mean to our lives? What would the effect be on our lives and the lives of others if we don't see Jesus as the compassionate one? 
Well, I've put it to you that if we don't see God, Jesus, as the compassionate one, we'd only see half of who he is. We'd only see a component of who he is. Uh, we'd lose out on the enjoyment of seeing a, a father that was compassionate, not just powerful and strong. Imagine being married to someone or dating someone, and you only knew a part of their life for your entire life. You wouldn't get the full enjoyment of a relationship with them. I put it to you that if we don't see God as compassionate, you might live your whole life seeing God as a distant God. Yes, one who's in control. Yes, one that can see things and put things in place, but perhaps not a God that is close, that actually cares about the details of your life. You just could go through a whole uh, lifetime of feeling that he was distant. And also put it to you that what's at stake is that if we don't see God as the compassionate one, our hearts don't stand a chance of moving toward being compassionate like Jesus. What we behold is often what we become. And so what's at stake also becomes the, the fact that we might just become less compassionate in the moments with our family, where we should be more sensitive, we're not, and we could hurt people, or in, in friendships. It even hurts your leadership or, or your teamwork with other individuals, where if you're so productivity-focused, and you don't manage those times of sensitivity, that you could hurt people where they just feel, this person just wants stuff from, from, from me. They don't actually care about me themselves. There's a lot at stake, as you can see. It's not just compassion as a title on a screen. It's compassion that we need to see Jesus as. And it's compassion that we need to be able to have in our heart, not because we do it, but because we see it in Jesus. Does that make sense? So the question that, that we might be asking this morning is, is Jesus really, really, really compassionate? And I'm hoping that uh, as we go through the scripture this morning, it comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 45, we'll be able to see something of the depth of the compassion of Jesus. And as you turn to it, it'll come up on the screen as well, but to give you a, a mini backdrop, the night before it starts, Jesus rose early in the morning. But the night before, or the day before, he'd actually woken up, he'd gone to the synagogues on the Sabbath, and he taught through the entire day. And he debated with, with the, the other Pharisees. And they describe him as saying he's one that teaches with authority. And while he's preaching, demons come out. Uh, you know, and he's casting out demons. And he goes to his mother-in-law's house. And instead of just having a nice dinner, he ends up having to pray for her because there's a fever that was over her life. And by the time he finishes dinner, the Bible says the whole city gathered at his door. You can see Jesus was in demand and lots was going on inside of his life. And this is the next morning. And rising up very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next town that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went out, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you desire, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do desire, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So there you have it, this 
small snippet of a story of Jesus rising early in the morning. And there might be a whole lot of stuff there, but over the next couple of minutes, I hope to break it down to something that really begins to settle in our hearts that we can see Jesus as the compassionate one. So let's jump into the text. I've, I've highlighted some bits and pieces in red so that we can see what we're focusing on. So we see that moment. It says, everyone is looking for you. Jesus has woken up. There are crowds, the same crowd that was there last night that was standing at his door. Imagine living in your suburb and every person in your suburb is standing outside your door wanting your attention. Everyone is looking for Jesus. And Jesus has an agenda. He's like, no, well, we've got to go to the next town because this is why I've come. And so he goes to the next town, and it says he went throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. There's a sense that he's incredibly um, in demand. There's a sense of a, of a swarm of crowds of people pushing in on him, wanting his attention, maybe needing attention from him, wanting to be around him. And he's got a lot of people of influence that have seen him, that, that have been on the receiving end of his ministry. And there's a big move where Jesus is kind of like this itinerant big preacher who's moving from place to place, who's mingling with all sorts of people. And in the midst of all of this, it happens that a leper comes across his path. It says that line simply, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling. A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling him. I know that when we think of, of leper, we kind of just think of skin disease. But it's for us to really get the story, we've got to know what the leper was like. If you don't know what a leper is, a leper is a person who has leprosy, which is a skin disease. And the skin disease eats away at your skin so that it ends up uh, having like troughs and curves inside of the face so that it becomes mold and it put out of shape. Um, if you Google and you look at pictures of people with leprosy, you'll see that sometimes the, the very skin on their nose and their ears are eaten away so that it's just uh, orifices where the ears and the noses should be. Um, you'll see that it often just smells because of uh, the fermenting skin. And often they go blind because they can't see. Uh, and it's just a horrible condition that goes over the entire body. Uh, the people that have leprosy are totally dejected from their entire lives. And so it's easy physically just to see how horrible it is. But for the people of the Bible, it, it meant more than just an ugly-looking disease on someone's skin. Uh, the easiest way to actually see this is to see what the people of the Bible experienced. And the people of the Bible would have lived under the Old Testament, which was Mosaic law, known as the law of Moses, which had a whole lot of commands that people had to fulfill. And in those commands, there were things that were of right and wrong, moral, and there were things that were of ceremonial cleanliness, which was uh, symbolic of being clean to be able to come into the presence of God. And leprosy was one of those unclean things. And I, I want to show you a snippet from Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus is, is a book in the Bible that just lists commands after commands and commands and rules after rules of what needs to be done. And the, and the Jewish people would have hit this to a T. So it says this. Then the priest shall examine him, the leper. And if the disease swelling is like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. That's publicly. He has to be able to put it forward and saying, Bob over here, unclean. Everyone knows and acknowledges it. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair on his head hang loose. He has to dress differently. He has to be shown visibly from afar that actually he's got leprosy, that he's not someone that you must approach. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Basically, his whole face up to here. He has to cry out, unclean, Unclean. Imagine trying to go to a shopping center or, or going to a school thing and you have to cry out, unclean, unclean. You're basically warning people away. 
says he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. His very substance is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the community. That's what the leper lived under. It wasn't just a skin disease. He was alone. He would have been outside of the community of people. He would only have hung out with other lepers that he might have seen over there. He would have declared to people, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. The same way that a person who's tall and blonde might say, I'm a tall blonde girl. I'd say, I'm a, I'm a Chinese 37-year guy. The leper would have identified and said, I am the unclean. Imagine that was the, the, the rooting identity that you had as a person. I am the unclean. That's what the leper came to Jesus saying. You know, he doesn't come to Jesus and say, if you, if you desire, you can heal me. He says, if you desire, you can make me clean. He's actually speaking about something, not just a physical thing, but his whole person, to his soul, to the depths of the hurt that was inside of him. And so you see the leper come and says, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling him and said to him, if you desire, you can make me clean. His appeal isn't, Jesus, can you heal me? Jesus, are you able to? He's, he's been seeing it. He's probably been following the crowd from a distance. He's probably been hearing from other friends that have been healed. And so he knows Jesus can heal. But his real question is a hard question. If you desire, if you desire, you can make me clean. That word, if you desire, or those words, if you desire, uh, is synonymous with if you want to, you can make me clean. Or if it's your will, you can make me clean. Other places in the Bible that you see the little phrase, if you desire, uh, it takes place in Matthew. You'll see where Jesus says, those who desire their lives will lose their lives. And those who lose their lives will keep their lives. There's a sense of if you desire your life, it's, it's not just, oh, I want it, maybe, perhaps. It's if you desire it. There's another example in Matthew where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's about to be crucified. And he prays. He says, God, take this cup of suffering away from me, but not my desire, but your desire be done. Not my will, but your will be done. It's the same Greek words. It's the same original words of the Bible. And so the, the, the leper is coming to Jesus saying, if you desire, if it's in your heart. He's putting a question before Jesus. If you desire, if it's in your heart. You've got to see, in this moment, for the people that were moving around in the crowds, it wasn't just simply they're doing their vibe and there's a leper. Up until that point, the people had only seen a minutiae of who Jesus was. This is only the beginning, the very beginning of his ministry. They, they possibly would have heard about John the Baptist. He was quite a respected prophet speaking about this Jesus, who was a chosen and anointed one. A handful of them would have been at the River Jordan when the, the heavens tore open and God declared that this is my son. Just a handful. And they would have heard the rumors, likely. They didn't have the advantage like we do of, of seeing the Bible, of seeing the whole of Jesus' life. They were seeing it bit by bit, piece by piece. They would have seen something of um, Jesus speaking with the Pharisees and speaking with great authority. They would have possibly seen demons being driven out and people getting killed. In their minds up to that point, they would have seen Jesus, the, the, the wise and intelligent, Jesus, the powerful, Jesus, the holy one of God. But that's all they would have seen in him. There would have been a question in that moment, what will he do? How will he reveal himself in this moment? And they would have watched with bated breath as there was Jesus with a throng of crowds around him, of people of influence, of an agenda of what he needs to do, and a leper lying on the ground, emaciated, broken, smelling, weeping before Jesus on his knees, and there's a standstill. And you can imagine how when we think of our celebrities or political uh, people of influence, if they were moving around and doing their thing, 
what would they do if someone just jumped in the middle of their path and said, help me, help me, and begged? And so Jesus is in that moment where people look and they go, what will he do? And we see Jesus does not fail us in that moment. Those beautiful words says Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. It doesn't say that he just intellectually understood I should be compassionate. It doesn't say that he set up a compassion program uh, to help people. It says that he was moved with compassion. There there was a sense of of feeling. There was something of his heart. When we think of Jesus, we we can sometimes think of him as distant. And I said it before that we can think of holy and sovereign and powerful and even the loving God, you know, but this blanket God. But there's a sense that Jesus is moved with compassion. He feels something. Get it? He feels something toward us. It's not just my children that I will save and bring into the kingdom. It's not just, you know, the the people of the world that I will change and transform and this blanket thing. He feels something. The same way that someone cares deeply for someone else, he feels it in his belly, in the depth of who he is. He sees you as an individual and he feels. He sees the leper as an individual and he feels compassion. And I know that there are things that are going on in your life whether it's in relationships, whether it's stuff in business or finance, um, whether it's things that have gone on in marriage of adultery, whether it's been contemplations of people in your family that have lied to you, whether it's just anxiety inside of your head uh, and you're unable to cope with things and you have to put on this nice veneer, this nice facade. In that moment, just like the leper, you might be asked the question and Jesus replies, I do care. I see you. I feel compassion. The word compassion isn't a, a light word. It's, it's not just something that, that is thrown about as a general brushstroke of love. One of the brilliant demonstrations uh, or um, illustrations of, of love is the picture of uh, the prodigal son. You guys might know it well. It's, it's this young, young son who's quite gung-ho for life, and he takes all his inheritance and goes into a, a different land, throws all the money away, uses it on a parting life, and he eventually goes, what am I doing? You know, this is ridiculous. And he goes back to his, his dad, um, very humble and very broken. And as he comes back to his dad, the Bible says that the father saw his son from a long way off and turned and began to run at him. And it uses these crucial, crucial words. It says the father was moved with compassion and embraced and kissed his son. The father was moved with compassion and embraced and kissed his son. Our Father in heaven, even in that story, reveals himself as a God of compassion. The Father is moved with compassion. Jesus, the Son, is moved with compassion. He does something totally different. And then the Bible says he stretches out his hand and he touches the leper. And he answers the question in the heart of that leper. It wasn't just, I want to be, uh, be made whole and, and cleaned up from my disease. He says, he asks the question, if you desire you can make me clean. And Jesus responds with those beautiful words. I do desire. Be clean. I want to. I care. Be clean. I care about the the minuta of your life, the very details of what's going inside of your life. I care. He prays for him, and he gets healed. 
I mean, the, the second part is almost a, a mini anticlimax, but it, it's also this beautiful moment where Jesus wants to do a full mending of the person's heart, not just, not just words of, I care, but he wants to bring him back into community. And so we see there's the next line. It says, and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Brilliant. And then Jesus commands him, show yourself to the priests and offer to, to them for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus is taking them back all the way to Leviticus. Some passages afterwards, after Leviticus 13, it says that once a person is declared clean, he needs to go back to the priest. And the priest will examine him. And the, the leper or the previous leper would bring forth a, a sacrifice. And then the priest before all the people would declare he's clean. He is clean. He would be brought back into community, back into relationship. He would have a, a new identity restored, and there would be a wholeness that comes to him. Jesus' compassion moves not just from his own heart, but moves to be able to bring restoration to his whole life. You see that? Man, I'm, I'm hoping that um, as we've read that scripture, there's something that's sunk into our heart, that we've seen something of um, Jesus, the compassionate one. And I know it's so easy when we, when we read a story like that to, to locate ourselves somewhere in the story. Um, and there are a number of different possibilities. Um, the, the one person you could put yourself in as, as a member of the crowd. There's a whole crowd of people and they're just looking in. They, some of them are following because they're actually following Jesus. Others are following because they just want to take a look. You know, what is this about? I'm just looking in on who Jesus is. And some of you here might just be that. You're not a Christian um, you're in a place where you're exploring Christianity. You're going, well, I just want to see what this Jesus is about. I've heard that he's, he's, he's God. I've, I've heard that he, he's even judge. I've heard that he creates things, but I want to see what he's about. I'm hoping that today, as we've read that scripture, something you've heart, uh, in your heart has gone, wow, he is the compassionate one as well. And you'll see in a moment that I'm going to push you further to say, don't be just a member of the crowd. Be a person that falls before Jesus' feet. Uh, there's a second group that you could locate yourself at. You might say, well, actually, I see Jesus, and I've I got to be like Jesus. I've got to have compassion like Jesus. And that might be your take, and that could be the tendency from reading a scripture. I've got to be like Jesus to the lepers of society. There's a, there's a possible problem that we might jump into. It's, it's a thing they call moralism, where you go, I need to be good because Jesus is good. And you try and be a good person with your own effort and go, that's what it takes is living a good life. And that's just, going to tend to, that's just going to push you to be a person that misses the point of who Jesus is, and you just end up living a, a, a life because of your own acts, your own after doing. Well, there's another thing called legalism, where, where it's basically about, I need to do a whole lot of compassionate things so that I can get to Jesus. And it could just weigh you down if, if you're kind of thinking, I need to be like Jesus. And your mind might be going, oh, just another thing I need to add to the list of things to do. I now got to be kind. I can't gossip. I can't smoke. I have to do this and that. And I also have to be compassionate. Uh, there, there's something that, that weighs you down over there as well. And Jesus doesn't put a legalistic point on us. There, there could be a space where we go, I got to be like Jesus. It kind of put us to a place where I think there's a third option. I think that the predominant place where most of us should live is as the leper. Not identifying as the crowd, not identifying as Jesus to the leper, but we are the leper. We have a lot more in common with the leper than we realize. The leper had a disease that totally ate him up, and we've lived and come into a place where we have the disease of sin, where our hearts are internally corrupted. 
where maybe the leper was externally disfigured and changed and ugly, we are disfigured and changed internally. If you think about how much of your thought life is orientated about yourself, about your good, about your problems, about your issues, about what you desire, and I put myself in the same box about the things that we want, what we need, I mean, that's just an inward looking. That's what sin does. It turns you in and of yourself instead of looking outwards. And so we realize, wow, we, we're actually a lot like the leper. We, we're even incapable of changing our own hearts, just like the leper is incapable of healing himself of his own disease. Just like the leper who would be rejected outside of the community, we, we to a large degree, are rejected outside of the presence of God when we, when we aren't in Jesus, we don't experience his grace. We are very much like the leper. And I know that as Christians, there can sometimes be a tendency where we kind of sit and go, yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I do my Bible study, and I go to church, and I pray. Yeah, I know God loves me, and that's cool. And we can live our lives coasting like that, which is great because you, you want to live as a son and a daughter in the house. You don't want to always be thinking you're a servant. But it's important to have those moments where you go, I was once a leper. You've got to have those moments. You've got to, got to have those moments. Because if you don't have this moment, you live a life of entitlement. You live a life of privilege where you're like, I deserve it. This is how it is. Jesus died and because I deserve it. I'm worth it. It's not. You and I are lepers. You and I are lepers, lepers, lepers. We are lepers. The sin that is inside of our lives is so broken over us. And we are so frail that even after having Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, save us from it, we still go back to it. We are lepers. I don't want to bring a hammer to say how pathetic we are, but I want to bring a reality that our hearts aren't that great as we think they are. We're in need of throwing ourselves before Jesus, bending our knees before him, saying, heal me, make me clean. I know that, that for some of us, even there's hurt inside of us. Like the leper, we feel hurt. We might be going through places of rejection. We might be going through places of confusion in, inside of relationships. We might have incredibly low self-esteem or, and have thoughts just raging inside of our minds of where we belong in society, where we belong with people. And the solution is the same thing, to come to Jesus with bent knee and throw ourselves before him saying, if you desire, you can make me clean. And, and the response when you ask that question to him isn't going to be some tectonic line of, I love you and everything's amazing and just trust me and it's going to be okay as a big blanket. He sees you in your specific place, in your specific place. He looks you in the eye, and he says, it's going to be okay. He says, your business is going to be okay. You just trust me. Walk with me in it. He says, that marriage that you're going through, it might not all be brilliant and workouts and everything's hunky-dory, but I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. The place where your mind is anxious and, and, it's, and you feel like it's just draining down on your head, He's not just throwing a line and saying, oh, everything's going to be sorted out and instantly, but I'm with you. It's going to be okay. I'm with you. There's a level of compassion that he greets with you in that space. In a couple of moments, we are going to have the prayer team up here. Uh, we are going to be singing some songs, and we want to be able to create a space um, that if you're in a place where you're going, I-, I want to come before Jesus. I feel that I'm like a leper who's in need of of just the compassion of Jesus. We're going to create a space up here in the front, and there's a prayer team that's going to be up here to be able to pray with you and for you. Uh, and in a while's time as well, I'm going to sh- close with a story, but in a while's time as well, you might have been sitting as, as a member of the crowd that was gathered around Jesus. You didn't feel that you were the leper. You didn't feel that you were one of Jesus' disciples. You were just looking at and going, what's going on there? You know, what is this Jesus I hear about? And perhaps over the course of the last couple of minutes, you thought, 
I don't want to just be the outside person. I just don't want to be part of the crowd that is far at the back. I want to be like the leper right in front of Jesus and saying, Jesus, take away the sin of my life. I want to entrust my whole being to you. Never again do I want to live on my own strength. I know that I'm decrepit and broken inside in my soul, and I want to lay before you, Jesus, if you desire, make me clean. I'm going to create that space for you as well. But here's the story I want to share with you. It's a personal story, um, a story which hopefully illustrates something of the compassion of of God. Um, And I shared part of it in in previous times. When I was young, when I was 21, I had a, a little custom where Every night around 7, 7.30, I'd read the newspaper and I'd count out articles of uh, atrocious things that happened in the city so that I could pray for the families. There'd be articles of little girls that got raped. Um, it would be articles of uh, young children that had been killed in gang violence. It would be uh, stories, just ridiculous crimes that happened in our city where people were deeply affected. And I'd cut it out and put it in my scrapbook and I'd, I'd just pray for the families. And on one of the particular nights, I heard two gunshots and um, ran downstairs and saw that my mum had been, had been shot. And um, there were lots of police and, and cops and ambulances and all that sort of thing. Pulled my mother out of the car and started doing CPR on my mum in the road. And um, as the minutes passed away, um, my mother died in my arms, which was incredibly devastating as a, as a, as a youngster. And I held my mum there. And uh, I was confused. My, my brain was like in an absolute fog of, of shocking and what in the world's going on. And afterwards, when things had calmed down, my dad told me uh, that three men had, um, had uh, tried to rob my dad and ended up shooting my mom because she drove into the driveway to distract them. And they'd run off. And um, it was an incredibly difficult night. It was an incredibly difficult couple of weeks. And the years have rolled on since then. Um, my mom wasn't around when, when uh, I met my beautiful wife. My mom wasn't around when I uh, got married and had our first kid. And so there have been lots of these components of my life that we missed around, but I've largely kind of forgotten about that part of my life. And um, last week, uh, we got an inquest from the police department that they found who the people were, and um, they need the names of the people. And um, my wife, my, I said, love, can you give me the names? Because she, she just went to the police department. I don't want to go. So she went and said, yeah, we've got the names of them. Uh, one of the key guys is, is a name I'll probably never forget, uh, Lunga Paul Luke. I looked him up on, on the internet, and he's been caught subsequently for a whole lot of other crimes in cash and transit, being part of um, the death of a whole lot of other people. And my wife said, why do you want their names? And I said, because I, I want to pray for him. Um, they're, they're in some place, um, I, I have a level of compassion for them. And I say unusually so. And my wife knows that I'm not a compassionate person. If you know me, I'm not a high compassion person. I don't have high empathy. And I said in the beginning that I often get frustrated really easily. I can hold grudges quite easily. I can get road rage very easily. I'm the sort of guy that when people literally, we've done tests, you know, where we mark each other. And in a team of people, I rate two, three out of five when it comes to compassion and empathy. I like, you know, you get some guys that are just a bit off like that. Um, I'm one of those guys. But somehow there was a grace that was spared over me and the compassion. And I'll tell you the reason why, why I was able to have a, a grasp of compassion in the area, was that on that night when all the police would gather around and there was all this stuff going on, there was a Christian um, mother and daughter, neighbors that I'd never met yet, that came up to me and started chatting with me and, and asked if they could pray with me. And in my confusion, and I could have, I could have gone bitterness, I could have gone anger, hatred, just all those places right there, they anchored me. They were right there in that moment, they anchored me, and they just prayed saying that Jesus was with me, that he loved me, that he's with us, that he was crying with us. 
And right there, they anchored me in a place where they led me into a place where we, we, we prayed on the very night, maybe not even an hour later, we were praying for the salvation of these three guys. That somehow, they, not that there would be you know, a conviction or going to jail or something, but they would come and know something of the compassion of Jesus, that their brokenness would be healed. They anchored something inside of me. And over the last couple of the, the, that night and the days that ensued, I saw something of the compassion of Jesus when I'd lie in my bed crying. It wouldn't be, you know, God of the tectonic cosmic universe. It was God the compassionate that would weep with me. I'm like, God, where are you in this? And he'd say, I'm weeping with you. And I'd see him just weeping with me. And we wouldn't say much. I wouldn't read much. I wouldn't quote scriptures and, and sing. I'd just cry. And I just sent God crying with me for the state of what had, what had happened. I saw something of the compassion of God, and God graciously, graciously gave a leper who is incompassionate, compassion in just this one specific area. In lots of other areas of my life, I lack compassion and, I, and, and really dialed out. But in this place, there was something beautiful where God did something with a leper. He did something with a leper. He put a compassionate heart inside of a leper where I could have lived a life of bitterness and brokenness and anger and frustration. He put something with the compassionate heart. And so what I realized, and I'm hoping that, that I know the guy's name, um, I think I know which prison he's in, and I'm, I'm hoping at time I can go and chat with him, speak to him about Jesus, and in that moment, it's going to be one leper speaking to another leper about a healer that is known as the compassionate one. And even as we stand here, it's going to be the same thing, that we're not the crowds, we're not, we're not the Jesus in the moment, we're the lepers, one leper speaking to another leper. Some lepers are going to come forward for prayer, hopefully, and some people are going to recognize that they're not just the crowd that's healed. They're actually a leper that needs to come before Jesus. So I want to invite the band up in this moment, and I'd love you to prepare your hearts um, to ask that question of Jesus. Jesus, if you desire, you can make me clean. I'd love it if you could just close your eyes for a moment. And this really is, is what we call just a response moment, to create a space where we don't just hear a message and, um, like Netflix, you know, switch it off and, and move on. There's something where, where God wants to engage with our hearts. And so my, my first address will be to the people in, in the crowds, the crowds that were around Jesus, that just looked in and, and viewed it from afar, that heard about a Jesus, heard about a powerful Jesus, a mighty Jesus, but never knew Jesus, the compassionate one. And maybe now, as this talk's gone on, you've realized I'm like the leper. I want to throw myself before Jesus for the first time in my life. I want him to take away this uh, leprous disease of sin inside of my life and put inside of me his compassion, his new nature. If that's you, I'd love it if you could just raise your hand. And um, that's just a way for me to be able to see you and to acknowledge and pray with you. That's a bit of a bold move just to be able to raise your hand. I'm very good with awkward silences. You don't have to if you don't want to. Last chance. You're welcome to chat with me after it. I know there's, there's, a, there's another whole group of you that um, is going through things in your own life that is really, really difficult. That um, you've been the only one that's known that you've been crying about these things. You've been the only one that's been trying to carry these things for a long time, possibly just holding it and going, I'm, I'm not going to let people know about this. I'm just going to contain it. I'm going to push through. I'm going to make this thing happen. Man, if that's you, I'm saying you've got to be like the leper and come before Jesus, the compassionate one. You look into his eyes and say, do you care? And you would see that he would say that I care. I care. Now, when the music starts, there's, there's going to be um, a prayer team that's going to be up in the front. And I know that 
um, it might be glaringly scary, but it's probably just the easiest place to pray for you. We'll be somewhere in the corner over here. And uh, it doesn't have to be only for you. It might be some, someone in the member of your family or friends that you want to pray on their behalf. So you're welcome to come forward to, to stand in the gap to pray on their behalf. But if there's something inside of you that says, I need to know Jesus, the compassionate one, I invite you guys to come to the front um, when we start worshiping. Let's stand as we sing to Jesus.